Good morning, Eastridge. We're going to worship together. I'm so glad that you're here and we can be in the same place. We're going to worship Jesus.
shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, its bones will sing.
so much Shea and worship team for leading us again in worship. I so appreciate your faithfulness to lead us week after week. And for those of you who are watching online with us today, I want to just encourage you with this truth. Even though you're not in the building worshiping with us, we worship together. I know we may not be together physically, but in spirit, in heart, our vision is all together in line with God. And when we worship him, he draws near to us and my prayer today for you is that you've experienced the power and the presence of God very real in your life, no matter where you are viewing from today. Listen, I know that many of you have not come to a place where you're comfortable to join us again for our in-person services, and that's okay. We want you to know that your health, your safety, the safety of your family and health of them is a priority to us. And so when you're ready, we are looking forward to welcoming you back home. There's a place for you here, and we look forward to that day. But in the meantime, we want to just let you know that as you prepare and as you uh, do the best to stay safe and keep those around you healthy, um, that we, we have established a Telegram platform. That's how we're uh, encouraging people to reserve space to come and join one of our services. We're meeting on Sunday mornings at 9, 10, 10, and 11.30. And so when you're ready to come and join us again for a service, just know that you can jump on Telegram. Uh, and on any Tuesday, from Tuesday on through the week, you can reserve your space for that following Sunday. We're doing everything we can here uh, on Sunday mornings to keep people safe and healthy. Uh, we're taking temperatures as people come through the door, uh, requiring masks to be worn throughout the entirety of our service. We're, uh, we've got hand sanitizer stations throughout the building. We're distancing. We're keeping our space limited to 50 people in each service, which is why we need to have you make a reservation if you're desiring to come. And so if you've got any questions, you can hit us up, but just know that we look forward to welcoming you back home when you're ready to join us. We are moving from the Sermon on the Mount into a new series, and the series is on honor. It's actually about developing a culture of honor, which is why I've got that on the screen behind me. And I really believe that in our world today that there's a lack of honor in relationships, in all relationships, really, um, in, including our relationship with God. And so to start the series, we're going to focus on that relationship, our vertical relationship with God. 
Because really everything, the balance of everything uh, in all of our horizontal relationships is really founded upon how we're doing in our relationship with God. And so I thought we would start there today. I'm excited about this message. I believe that God wants to speak something to your heart. We know that his word is alive, that it's sharp, that it challenges us, that it shapes us. And so let's pray that way again this morning and ask God to speak to us and to deposit in our lives what he wants to. God, we uh, thank you again. God, we come humble and grateful for your word and for the power of that word. God, I, I pray that as the presenter of that word today that you would help me to get out of the way. God, my desire is that your will would be done in the lives of your people, that your word would continue to transform us into the people that you want us to be. God, we recognize that as followers of Jesus, as kingdom of God citizens, Lord, that our lives have to look different than the world around us. God, you've called us into something unique, something different. Lord, if our lives are no different than the people that, that don't have relationship with you, then what's the point? Lord, there, there's no purpose to any of this. But we know, God, that you do have a point, that you do have purpose. In fact, you've created us with great purpose. And so, Lord, I pray that today that people would discover even more of that purpose that you have for their lives. And God, that we would see in your word what you want to challenge us with today. I invite you by the power of your Holy Spirit to deposit in the hearts and the minds and the lives of everyone who's listening what you desire for them to hear and receive today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, talking about culture, a culture of honor. You know, culture uh, is so powerful. Um, you know, traditions are so powerful. It's really hard for people to, uh, to change the way that they've known things to be, the way that they've experienced things to be. In fact, when you enter into a new culture, your life is really, uh, you're, you're kind of living on edge trying to learn as you go, but your life is influenced by the culture. And I believe with all my heart that when Jesus called us to be followers of him, that he called us into a new culture, to develop a new culture that looks different from the world. There's a verse that has challenged me many, many times over the years, and it's Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And it, the challenge is this, do not conform to the patterns of the world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We're going to end with that same verse because I, I think God wants to bring it full circle. And I think he wants to challenge us today that there's an importance, that there's a, a need for us to be intentional in cultivating a culture that reflects who he is in a world that really doesn't know him. And so today, as we begin, I want to look at Mark chapter 6, verses 2 through 5. If you've got your Bibles or you've got it on a device, you can follow along with me. This is Jesus who has now entered back into the town, the hometown where he grew up. These are people that knew him. They know his family. They know, uh, you know what he did uh, as a boy and, and what he grew up to be. And, and so he comes back to his hometown, his, his people, and this is what we read. It says, the next Sabbath... He, being Jesus, began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Well, that sounds good, right? It's not actually a good amaze. It's not like, wow, that's amazing. It's like, wow, where did that come from? How, how did this happen? And so uh, we find them asking a question. It says, they asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed, he's just a carpenter. He's the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. His sisters live right here among us. 
They were deeply offended, and they refused to believe in him. Jesus then told them, a prophet is honored. There's our word, honored. A prophet is honored everywhere except in his hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, so now we see the results of them not honoring, but really dishonoring Jesus. Because of their unbelief, he, Jesus, could not do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and to heal them. What you have to understand is that in the chapters leading up to chapter 6 of the Gospel of Mark, we see incredible miracles being performed by Jesus. Demons being cast out of people, blind eyes being opened to see again, uh, lepers being healed, the, the, the dead being raised again. All of these things by the power at work in and through Jesus in all of these villages, every community that he went to, city after city, there were incredible things that were happening. People were experiencing the power of God through the life and ministry of Jesus. Now he comes to his hometown and it tells us that they dishonored him. And because of the dishonor, the result was he could not do any miracles except a few healings. That's amazing. That's profound to me. I, I hope it is to you today because I'm thinking Jesus is God. He, he doesn't need permission. He doesn't need us to say, oh, yes, you know, go ahead and do. He, he, can he not do whatever he wants to do? So that gets my attention because this is not that Jesus chose not to do any miracles. It says he could not do them because of their unbelief and we know that Jesus, he zeroed in on the fact that they were dishonoring him. He says a prophet has honor everywhere except in his hometown. He was talking about himself. And I, I want to just warn us today that I believe that it's very possible, in fact, probable, that we miss out on experiencing the power of God at work in and through our lives because we haven't cultivated properly a culture of honor. And I, I want to challenge us to that because if, if you're anything like me, you want to honor God. You want to experience everything that there is to experience in your life with Him. I, I really believe that God has set us up in this season so that He could show up in a powerful way. People are more dependent on God. They're turning their hearts to God in these moments of vulnerability and uncertainty, things that are changing constantly. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I really believe that that is preparation for God to show up and do amazing things. Listen, in my life of following Jesus, I've experienced incredible things. I've experienced the power of God so strong in my life and in the room that I was standing in that all I could do was stand and weep at the presence of God. It was amazing, powerful, transformative in my life. I remember another time where I invited my friends to pray for me because I had an eye allergy that was bothering me severely. Usually in the summer times, there would be pollens that would come and my eyes would get itchy and watery and uncomfortable and turn bright red, bloodshot red, and, and it was miserable. I remember inviting my friends, would you pray for me? I really believe that God can and will heal me. And they prayed for me and I remember feeling the discomfort leave my eyes. And as I opened my eyes, 
to, to lock eyes with my friends who had just finished praying with me. Their eyes lit up as they watched the red just begin to fade from my eyes. My eyes went from red to white in seconds. And their, their faith was inspired and encouraged. Incredible things that God can and wants to do in our lives. But how many times do we restrict that power because we have not honored him the way that he deserves to be honored. That's what was happening to Jesus. You know, let's talk about honor for a second to make sure that we're on the same page. When we look at scripture, when we look at the the original context of this word throughout uh, the Bible, what we find is that the meaning is this. It is a valuing. It is uh, adding weight. It's not taking it lightly, but rather adding weight, adding value. It's... um, also referenced as um, treating something as very precious. In fact, there's one uh, dictionary, Bible dictionary, that refers to like in a similar way that we would treat something of gold, precious, valuable. Maybe you have some jewelry, some gold jewelry, or some jewelry that you really appreciate, you value it. You don't just toss it on the ground, you don't just toss it on a shelf, no, you take care of it because it's precious and valuable to you. I, I love watches. I don't just toss my watches around. I take care of them. They're precious and they're valuable to me. And how much more should we be valuing God in our relationship with him? There are other things, other uh, references that talk about an appreciation or esteeming. Uh, There's uh, this respect and giving favorable regard to someone or something. That's what honor is. And, and in fact, uh, sometimes we can get a greater understanding of a term, of a word, by looking at the opposite, by looking at the antonym. Well, the antonym of honor is dishonor. And when you look at the meaning of dishonor, it means this. It means to treat something as common, as familiar, or to treat something as ordinary. Let me share with you uh, an example of when this has happened in my life. My brother is gifted. He's a gifted craftsman. He, he makes beautiful things out of wood. And I remember he made a clock for my dad that had these amazing wood inlays, different colors, different types of wood that were carved and then fit together beautifully, perfectly. And, and I remember thinking of looking at that and, and just being amazed, like, wow, that's impressive. And you, you made that. Wow. And, um, but as time went on and I saw him continue to make things and continue to develop his gift and his craft over years and years and years, it became common to me. It became familiar to me. And so when I would hear people comment on how beautiful the things that my brother had made, I would think, oh yeah, that's just Rick. That's, that's what Rick does. He's, he's a great craftsman. But I would treat it as common and ordinary. And what I'm doing by, by making it common or ordinary is I'm disrespecting my brother and his gift. I'm disrespecting what God has done in giving him that gift by treating it as common, by treating it as ordinary. That's what these men and women were doing to Jesus in his hometown. Oh, isn't this the guy that built our table and chairs that we sit around every day? Isn't he the one that, you know, was in the classroom with uh, Joe? You know, we know his family. We know his sisters and his brothers, and they were treating him as common. And when they did that, they dishonored Jesus. How many times do we dishonor God because we treat him and the things of him as common or ordinary? 
I want to caution and warn us as people of God, as kingdom citizens, that the longer we're around church, the longer we're around the things of God, the more we experience a worship set, a worship, worship experience, the more likely we are to slide into this place where we're treating it as common or ordinary. And please hear me this morning. There is nothing that is common. There is nothing ordinary. There is nothing that should ever become uh, commonplace for us with regards to God, with regards to the presence of God. And as soon as we begin to treat it that way, we may very well miss out on what God desires to do in our lives. You know, um, I want us to move to Matthew chapter 15, and I want to read nine verses there. Again, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 through 9. And, um, and if, instead of reading through it, let me just go verse by verse and just break some things down. In verses 1 and 2, uh, it says, Now some Pharisees and teachers of the religious law arrived from Jerusalem. Uh, let me just pause there. They arrived to Jerusalem to see Jesus. Okay, so they had come from Jerusalem. And where were they arriving? They were arriving to where Jesus was. If you back up just a few verses into chapter 14, we, we know that Jesus had just come off the lake to a place near, uh, near the lake called Gennesaret. Well, Gennesaret is 120 kilometers from Jerusalem. So these men were not hopping in a car. They might have got on a camel or a donkey, but their means of transportation was much more limited than what we have today. And they traveled 120 kilometers. Why? To see Jesus. And what were they coming to see Jesus about? Let's look. Verse 2 says, They came and they asked him, Why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition? For they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. We've been doing a lot of hand-washing lately, and we do it for sanitary purposes. We do it to eliminate germs and trying to block, you know, this COVID virus that is attacking our world. But this had nothing really to do, I mean, yes, it was before eating, but they, it was declared as a ceremonial tradition. In other words, this was part of their religious practice. This was one of the things that they did that they thought was honoring God, right? So just keep that in mind. So they came 120 kilometers because they were upset that Jesus and his disciples were not following their traditions. It kind of speaks to the importance of, in their minds of this tradition, right? So just tuck that away. In verse 3, Jesus replies with a question. Don't you love that? I love how Jesus asks a question when he's posed a question. And he does that in this situation. He replies, and why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? You know, Jesus is saying, guys, you've got it all messed up. You've got your priorities all mixed up. What you're doing is you're placing your traditions over the commandments of God. Don't you think that's backwards? Don't you think that's upside down? Jesus points out this truth, this reality that, hey, you're spending all this time to journey here to ask us about traditions when in actual fact, you've got issues in your own life. Why is it that you are ignoring the commands of God by putting a tradition over it? In verses four and five, he begins to explain to them which tradition uh, he's referring to. But he says, for instance, in other words, Jesus is saying, you know, there are several things that I could address here. There are several areas that I could challenge you on here, but I'm going to challenge you on this one. How many of you know that's not a coincidence? Jesus was very intentional, and he says this. He chose the commandment that says to honor your mother and father. 
And I believe that Jesus was using that as a for instance because he's getting at a deeper point here. It's not just about the tradition, uh, but rather that there's an issue of honor here, that they have not cultivated honor in their lives. And so he says, for instance, uh, God says, honor your father and mother, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father and mother must be put to death. But you say that it is all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you for I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. What Jesus was addressing here was an, an ancient Jewish tradition called Corban. And Corban was this idea that if I commit something as a Jewish person, if I commit something to God, then nobody else deserves that. I don't have to share that with anybody else. And so Uh, What would happen is mothers, fathers who were in in need, desperation, their their children, their Jewish children would say, nope, sorry, you can't have that. That's designated only to God. Well, of course, in their minds, they're thinking, I'm honoring God with this aspect, with this resource in my life. Nobody else should deserve it because it's designated for God. It was, again, a religious principle, a religious tradition that they were practicing that they thought was an important part of their worship to God. And yet, Jesus points out that God says this, but you say, and you implement a tradition that outweighs the commandment that God has given you. He goes on in verse 6, and he says, in this way, by doing this, you say that they don't need to honor their parents. And in so doing, you cancel the word of God. Canceling the word of God, probably not something that we want to practice. He says, and so you canceled the word of God for the sake of your own tradition. You have missed the point, guys. That's what Jesus is saying. You have missed the point. You have taken what's important to you and made it more valuable. You're honoring your tradition over the commands, over the word of God into your life, the instruction that he gave to you. You're emphasizing the things that matter most to you over what matters most to God. Dangerous place to be. In verses 7 through 9, of course, he calls them hypocrites, and he says, uh, you hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, these people honor me, there's our word, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. He's quoting Isaiah chapter 29, and he he goes on in verse 9, he says, their worship is a farce, it's in vain, it has no purpose. It's meaningless. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. This is some pretty intense uh, teaching, instruction, challenging that Jesus is doing in the lives of these Pharisees and the teachers of the law, but I think that there's some great application for us today, and so I want to identify just really two things, two issues that I see here. The first one is this issue of tradition, and I want to be careful because I mentioned earlier that you know, culture and tradition are, are strong. They drive our lives. They, you know, we, we do things because of tradition, because of culture. It really influences the way we live, the way we act. But remember Romans chapter 12. Don't be conformed to the patterns of the world, but be transformed. And here's the deal. Many times traditions, what is tradition? Tradition is something that's uh, of high value. It's a, uh, a, a practice or, or part of culture that gets passed down from generation to generation. And many times what happens is it becomes law, it becomes religion, it becomes what we live our lives by, the standard. Like we do it this way because we've always done it this way. 
we almost begin to treat it oftentimes like it's scripture. And we begin to put tradition over what's actually biblical. And I want to challenge us that, um, that, that there's something very critical, very important for us to learn from this. That if there are traditions in your life that become more important, more valuable to you than the word of God, then you're in a dangerous place. And I think we can all get in that place very easily. The way that we change it is by cultivating this culture of honor. And, and let me just share with you sort of a humorous illustration. There's a young boy, Christmas time, and he runs into the kitchen. Mom is preparing Christmas dinner. And so as she's getting ready to put the ham into the oven, she cuts off both ends of the ham before placing it in the oven to cook. And she, the, the young boy asks his mother, Mom, why did you cut off the ends of the ham? And she looks kind of puzzled at her son, and she says, you know, I'm not sure, boy. I, I just do this because it's the way my mother always did it. Why don't you go ask grandma? So he runs into the other room where grandma is, is there to celebrate the festivities of Christmas. And he says, grandma, mom told me to ask you, why do we cut off the ends of the ham? And she looked at the boy puzzled and she said, you know, that's the way my mother always did it. And so that's just the way that I've done it. And she said, why don't you go ask your great-grandmother? And so he goes over to great-grandmother, who's in her rocking chair, just enjoying everything that's going on. And he begins to ask her the same question. Why do we cut off the ends of the ham? She looked at the boy with a smile and she said, I don't know why your grandmother did it, does it that way. And I don't know why your mother does it that way. I did it because the pan was too small for the ham. You know, we can laugh at those things because we realize that sometimes we take part in traditions. We have no idea where they came from. We have no idea why it's become the tradition. We have no idea why it's the standard for our lives. Can I just share a, a one with you that I see in the church today? I'm hoping that you'll find your own traditions that maybe you need to question and challenge a little bit. Um, you know, I've heard people say, Pastor Doug, why don't you wear a suit and tie when you preach? The word of God should be preached by a man in a suit and tie. And I would ask, where in scripture do you see Jesus or the disciples or anyone else for that matter, preaching the gospel in a suit and tie? You know, I can laugh at that one because it hits close to home. I thank God that this church understands that it's not a matter of tradition that's not really what counts. It's what the Word of God says. We base our lives, we create our culture, our kingdom culture around what God says, not around our traditions. Now, please understand, Jesus, when he addressed the traditions here, he didn't say that all traditions are bad, but he also didn't say that all traditions are good and necessary. We have to weigh our traditions against what we know God's word says. And if ever our traditions outweigh what the word of God says, we've got it upside down. We're, we've got it mixed up and we need to reevaluate why and how we are doing things to live our lives to honor God. The second issue that I want to bring up is the issue of worship, which is really the same issue as honor. It's the same concept. You know, Worship comes from an old English word that meant worth-ship. In other words, ascribing worth to what you are honoring or, or worshiping. And, and so we recognize worship and honor are the same thing. They're one and the same. And can I tell you, remind you today, you were created to worship God. You were created to bring honor to God. 
You were created for that reason. And when we get things mixed up, when our worship doesn't line up with the way that God would desire to be honored, then our worship is not really worship at all. So let me talk about what happened here with these people in this, in this passage. These people were washing their hands, ceremonial washing, this tradition. They thought that that was one of the ways that they honor God. Jesus points out this washing of hands, this religious tradition is actually not honoring God. You're actually breaking his command by, by doing things that don't matter. You're focusing on yourself and your, what, what feels right to you, what seems right to you, what's been passed down to you rather than on the word of God. And so he says, you wash your hands, you, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from God. I believe with all my heart that what Jesus is emphasizing here is that the key to honor starts in the heart. That all true honor, all true worship is a reflection of what's going on in our hearts. The problem that we face many times is that we've become so comfortable with our, our rhythms, with our, our traditions, with, with our patterns and we call them worship. We call them, you know, this is how we've always worshiped God. This is how we've always done it. We see it all around us, people doing things because it's the way we do it. But there's no heart in it. And if we honor, try to honor God from a place that is not an outflow of our hearts, then God says, Jesus declares, listen, their worship is a farce. It is in vain. It has no purpose. It has no meaning. It has no value. It doesn't ascribe glory. It doesn't ascribe honor to God. It's in vain. God, help us that our lives and our worship never come to the place where that would be said of us. Let our worship be an outflow of our heart. The only way we can do that is to continue to remind ourselves of what God has done for us through his son, Jesus. It all has to revolve around the person the, the, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, and he did it for you. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we thank you for your word. And God, I, I'm reminded again, that I wanted to close this with Romans chapter 12, verse two. And so God, thank you for bringing it to my mind that we are not to be conformed to the patterns of this world, but that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. It goes on to, to tell us that we will be able to discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and pleasing to you. So God, I pray that that's what we would have, that that's what we would discover, that Lord, that we would be transformed, that we would transform our culture and the way we live and act and interact with you. Lord, that that would be transformed into a culture of honor so that we could test what is right and true and what is acceptable and perfect for you. God, let our worship bring glory to you. Let our worship lead others to discover your goodness. I pray, God, that you would help us to know how to cultivate and to live out, walk out this culture of honor in our relationship with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I said it before, but I'm so hungry for the things of God. I know that God is not finished with his people yet. I know that God desires for us to experience more, the fullness of him. 
Let us not be like the people who dishonored Jesus and missed out on the power of God at work in our lives. Let's learn to honor him and let it be an outflow of our hearts so that we can experience all that he has for us to experience. Amen. I love you so much. I hope that you're having a great week and that God will just continue to intervene in your life in the circumstances and the challenges. If you've got a prayer need, please send us an email so we can link our faith together with you and believe him for the miracles that he wants to bring to your life. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.